0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 3, Episode 9, Weapons and Tactics Memo, January 30th, 1987. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host... Dr. Trek, Larry Nemacek. Alright, welcome back to the Trek Files, Trek fans you background fans, yes you canonistas, I say that lovingly I always have, <laughs> you Trek with an F, so today we have one of our recent guests back with us and I will be right back with him as soon as you take a listen And take a look, as you always can, at our Facebook page, The Trek Files, where we've got the docs for this week posted. Take a listen to this segment from what's going to become the first of an institution in Star Trek. I'll be right back. This note involves a way to penetrate a ship's shielding in a rather dramatic and heretofore untried fashion. Assuming that a set of shields are layered fields created by some massive generators and distributed to hull-mounted emitters slash grids, these fields are probably able to be disturbed by various outside forces. In fact, we know they are. A phaser bolt will interact with these fields to some degree. It might be assumed that the nature of this interaction is a dimpling inward of the shield compressing the layers so that each is somewhat thinner than when not disturbed. See sketch all right yes we're at the we're at the dawn of what became known as not just the research notes but the in house technical um, sympathetically written <laughs> technical notes from uh, rick sternbach and later on also mike Okuda back to those poor hapless writers trying to marry the worlds of sci-fi and drama and done so expertly and and the science advisors to come down the line also but i want to welcome back rick sternbach hey great to be here again yes great to have you back uh of course rick two-time Hugo winner as Best Professional Science Fiction Artist of the Year in his book days. And I say that not, not like they're over, magazine days. But uh, worked on the motion picture. We've visited about that. And uh, this intersection of real space and real science with projecting futures, what what um, at the very beginning of your 14 years working in what we call the Berman era now, tracker some people <laughs> do anyway. But here we are in 1986-87. There's four... We've been famously talking often about the four or five people in the think tank coming up with concepts and story ideas, but this memo is dated January 30th, 87, so there's already a, a nation little uh, art department, right, by now. What, what was it like when you, what was your first memory of what became The Next Generation? Well, I,
1: I had uh, – <laughs> this, is, this is one of those uh, g- crazy stories again uh, where uh, – We
0: expect no less, right?
1: Yes. I was, uh, I was uh, driving on the, uh, on the 5 freeway because uh, I was living down in Irvine, okay? And on the radio, I hear Paramount announces Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> okay, this was like late 86, mm-hmm. okay? And 20 seconds after I hear this report on the radio – I met a payphone. <laughs> okay, now you know I, who had mobile. You know who had mobile phones. Right, right, right. right We're you know. in the era. We're in the era. Yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, you know, I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, uh, pulling off the freeway, hit this, uh, hit this gas station with a payphone, and got a hold of Susan Sackett at uh, uh, Paramount. Okay, mm-hmm. and James' uh, assistant, right? And I said, Susan. What's this I hear? <laughs> and she said, don't worry about it. The phone's been ringing off the hook. Gene will want to talk
0: to you at, you know, at now, some point. So just be patient. How did you know Susan? How, we, we know that you've known Gene, the, the great story you told the last time you visited, uh, known him since uh, 74 at his Yale talk, and had interacted with him during the motion picture. I, I must. I must have met up with her. Um, you know, at
1: at some point after I moved out to Los Angeles, um, and uh, you know, I I knew it was it was her. I had to call. Mm-hmm. Okay, when when I when I heard this this radio report, so you know, a little while later, um, you know, I was able to to come in and meet with uh, producer Robert Justman. Mm-hmm. David Gerald was there. Dorothy Fontana was there, uh, and I brought you know I brought my portfolio.
0: That's basically the title That's all there was then. The little think tank of the time,
1: right? Just getting Um, uh, Andrew Probert had been um, uh, hired on to do some you know uh, early work on things like the bridge and the uh, the exterior of the Enterprise, Um, and. you know, I, I, uh, as I say, I left my materials, okay,
0: and uh, your, your, your resume of slides and work and everything. Yeah, right? sure. Basically. Uh,
1: and, and then very early, uh, uh, after the first of the year, 87, um, I, I was accepted, you know, hired on. Uh,
0: so it was Andy Probert and myself.
1: And that was, this is before that was
0: the production. Herman Zimmerman would be the production designer. He hadn't been hired yet,
1: right? He had not been hired yet. Uh, but uh, Andy and I were, were, you know, we were bouncing ideas around. We were doing uh, sketches of things, um, um, and you'd known
0: each other during the motion
1: picture. Well, we, we had known of each other, and I and, think and we had beyond. met, met yeah. a few times. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we uh, we had a, we had a small a small office that we could work out of. Okay, and, uh, you know, we we went back over to st-
0: the art department, the old art department. Same, st- above 8 and 9. Above yes. 8
1: and 9, and we went up there, and it was empty, <laughs> and it was open. The door was open. So we just said, look, why don't we just, you know, there's no production in here now. Why don't we just... Like move in and, and, and maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll kick us out. I don't Studio know. Studio
0: squatters. But, yeah. but,
1: but we at, we at least had a place that we could uh, you know start doing sketching. Yeah.
0: Lay out a board. So, lay out a paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And and eventually everything built up. Uh, you know, uh, they 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 finalized uh, the the office space over
0: eight and nine, um, and we started getting to work. Yeah, it was just you and Andy. So Herman hadn't been hired yet. Mike Akuta hadn't been hired yet. Okay. So what was your first... uh, We're looking at this. Now, this is a tech manual. uh, A tech manual. This becomes a tech manual. This is um, early on. So October, November, December, January. In uh, December, they've put out the first draft of the Writer's Guide Bible format. They're still way far from having it fully fleshed out. Mm -hmm. They're still tweaking on it. This is January. I guess things are getting into a little bit later stage. Um, but what I love is where you say, this is a note to David, right. talking about, uh, here we are mixing the science and the tech. Because I think there was a, people love the science and the tech as it evolved on the original series and maybe even was seen some of the movies. But didn't the next generation kind of launch with a with an idea of let's be preemptive about having a lot of this stuff worked out so we don't get into some of the need to, now we say retcon, fix some of the, or the con- continuity, you know, errors. The original series kind of took off like a shot, and we, and as fans for twenty yeah. years, we love to pick out the holes and say, "Well, we have to." But yeah. there was a big, or, or or did that originate with this? I mean, what where did you get from Gene about saying? Or, and and I think some of that comes through in David's and Dorothy's memos too about this time around. Let's not make some mistakes we did on the first series and have more of this established up front? I mean,
1: what, what well, did you I, find? For, well, I mean, for, for me, this stuff all came to me naturally, okay, because, you know, I I, I understood a lot of a lot of basic science and technology um, and, uh, it, you know, um, it did sort of a science fiction wash over the top of mm-hmm. the factual stuff. Um and, uh, you know, a lot of my early, my early memos, like this one to David, okay, um, was, was just a very early, you know, very gingerly offering uh, some tech notes. Right. right. Okay. And, uh, you know, as we got into the scripts and as we were sketching, very technical sorts of things, okay, like a lot of the hand props, Mm -hmm. okay, I got into the communicators and the phasers and and the the tricorders, tricorders, all of that stuff. Pads eventually. And to me, that stuff should have some basis in... You know, uh, if, if not real tech, then plausible future tech. Well, of course. And that's the way I've operated, you know, throughout the, all the years that I was with the franchise. Um,
0: well, that's Gene's and, and, believability and, but, factor. That's, well, exactly. that's been and there since know, the day one. Uh, right?
1: th- you know, if you, if you look back at the original series episodes, okay, um, you know, Spock worked the tricorder and it looked very plausible. It mm-hmm. looked like something that could happen. In, in a future time well, it, just as a side note, it's happening now mm-hmm. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right, right. Uh, you, you know so, so some of the memos uh, had to do with uh, things like dialogue, some of the memos had to do with uh, um, you know, suggesting certain tech um, uh, items uh, or how things would work uh, Michael Kuda and I as I have mentioned you know a lot of times in the past, uh, we consumed a lot of noodles and a lot of pizza, talking about ship systems, internal systems, mm-hmm. and this all led up to the tech manual, uh, but we would sit and talk to to, to get a handle yeah. on on you know what the, what the, the ship systems could be like, what the hand props could do. Uh, and offer this to the writers. And, you know, I think we were very, very lucky, in a lucky, fortunate, whatever you want to call it, that they were very good listeners. Okay? We didn't want to step on any lines
0: right. of dialogue, we didn't want to step on the drama. Um, they were the writer, they were the writer producers. They were the guys. That were sh- no, it's it's amazing to read this one, and then as you went further down the line, they all they're, they're humorous. You know, like okay, guys, we promise this one won't hurt much, but let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about asteroids, let's talk about right, star right, dates, right, let's right, talk right. about you know uh, tractor beams. But, but we gave. But you did that. You did that. You're you very supple. Vocational? Like, here's an offering. We're not trying to take over. We're not trying to act like we know your jobs. Exactly. In fact, we think we can. And that's what's the beauty of all of these early, what became the tech notes. And, And everybody from Rick Down eventually embraced it, as long as everybody knew their place. But it became a very comfortable Routine and established. Well,
1: it it became consistent. Okay, Uh and that's that's a word that I love to apply to Star Trek. Okay, we tried to keep things internally consistent
0: as far as the science and the tech went. Okay, Um, but you did preemptively try to set some things up that then the writers could take and run with, and if they had to change something, then you would basically retcon it. Well, you know, I think I, I think you know, changing things
1: up was also a a great uh, um, signature uh, for Star Trek, okay? Um, You know, I would tell people, look, some of our best episodes is when our characters were not themselves, Mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. Uh And some you know, (laughs) if we had to violate some of the tech, like, uh, you know, make the engines super powerful for one episode, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, we've only got one shot at this. Uh, the system is going to blow up after we, you know, hit warp ten point fifty. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> w- whatever it was. Yeah. If we had to, if we had to break uh, a cross
0: connect, the main deflector. That's right. With the, if we, yeah, if yeah. we
1: had to break the system uh, to make a dramatic point, I had no problem with that. Okay, uh, and it was it was actually a bit of a, a little bit of a, it was actually a little bit of a challenge. Okay, you know, oh great, this is great, this is an engineering problem, how can we fix this so that it satisfies the, the dramatic story and still seems kind of plausible from an engineering standpoint? you know so those were fun
0: those were fun in instances well and it, that's a two way street it shows the and we were talking about on the motion picture being new to the ways of tv and you couldn't just be the gee whiz kid that knew the answer yeah. great kid now how do we going to how are we going to afford that i have 5 minutes to make yeah. that work or whatever it is i have one line can you do it in one line of dialogue yeah. whatever it is the quicker cheaper faster fix yeah. but on the other hand you had to have writers and producers who were not? Who were out of their own way? Yeah. You know Who were open to that and getting that? Hey, you've got the great idea, and you're also giving me the fix to make it work without it being a headache for me.
1: And, and we were very lucky on uh, beginning with Next Gen. We were very lucky to have writers who who got it, who understood this stuff. Okay, uh, one of our uh, I think one of our producers, uh, you know. Subscribe to Aviation Week and Space Technology Magazine, just like me, <laughs> you know. So, uh, uh, you know, we would be able to talk about, uh, you know, things that were happening in the aerospace field. And it's like, oh my God, a producer who's who who reads Av Week, you yeah. know, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you know, I I I would tell people about uh, producers like Jerry Taylor, who I I would do almost anything for her later on. Yeah, Um, I got to explain uh, things like you know warp drive in terms of uh, you know how does your car work, and Mm -hmm. she got it. She got it perfectly. Okay, yes, you have the warp. You know, you have the warp core. You have the plasma conduits. You have uh, the nacelles and the coils and the the the, surrounding outer space, okay? And all of those can be uh, matched up with parts of your automobile Mm -hmm. and the road. And, you know, it got got the ideas across, okay? And, uh, you know, Jerry was terrific. She wanted to get Mm -hmm. antimatter pods... To
0: work like depth charges. And I just said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a thing. I, that's what I love about this. Uh, you're talking about shields here specifically. But it's like, you know, it was that thing that sounded cool. We kind of science fiction, you know it. But here you're drawing a chart. And it's that bridge from here's our plausible sign. We said it was plausible and it's a future projection. But what does that look like on paper? And, and in a real moment, you're having to script a story what is, how does that play out? And that, and that marriage that you all were able to bring those two worlds well, together, and yeah. everybody let you do it, and they accepted it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you look at this little tiny, you know, pen and ink sketch here. Okay.
1: If this had been uh, turned into a real thing, okay, yes, we could have very easily come up with lines of dialogue to explain it. Okay, not not too technical, right? Okay, because right. I didn't I didn't want to give the actors mouthfuls of stuff. Uh, no famous Star Trek simile or a famous Star Trek, and this, and famous it, Star Trek metaphor. Yeah, and, and like the memos to follow. Okay, we would also get to work with the visual effects people. Okay, here's what the shields mm-hmm. might look mm-hmm. like if they're disturbed. You know, they might uh, you know they might flare a little bit. They might right. uh, um, you know you might have a bright impact point and you know working with the visual effects uh, supervisors um, you know like uh, um, Rob Legato Legato Dan Dan, oh yeah. Dan, Dan Curry you know all of these guys understood you know so if we if we came up with a sketch or if, you know if I do a little, a little something out with colored pencils okay they could work with the the effects vendors. Okay, and make
0: it happen. And it's like, holy cow, this is really great. Well, it's the pipeline that, that worked, but what's amazing to me is how this memo led to more of these, led to a whole stack, then led to the in-house guides, and then led to what we all And looked. they trusted us, for which yeah. I am eternally grateful. Uh, although, I, c- I can not tell you... And got a screen credit for it. Well... Along with illustrator slash right. technical
1: Te- yeah. consultants, yeah. Uh, and... Uh, uh, Bob Justman, you know, who I I, I, mm-hmm. I just I just loved him to pieces. Uh, at one of the production meetings, Bob said something like, uh, "You guys stay up all night thinking of this stuff," <laughs> and I said, "No, no, not really. Uh, we just we just understand it." Yeah. Okay. And uh, and
0: we got along great with. And him. that's you why know, you He, have he us. loved it. He loved this stuff. Well, that's that that's the, the the vibe from their side, from the writers and producers side, from Gene and Bob and on down, is part of the DNA that lasted yeah. so long with. Star yeah, Trek. DNA is a, a great way it to look a good at thing it. there. Well, Rick, this is amazing. I just I loved not only I, I've seen many of these uh, memos before, but the fact that this was the what do you say this is the first in a series of notes that will pop up. As the ideas occur to me, or Andy. And yes, eventually Herman's there. Eventually Mike is there, your partner in crime, All right. All right. Uh, very quickly. And, um, and the rest, as they say, is history. Or history yet to be written, however you look at it. But, future uh, history. Future history. Well, this has been so much fun, Rick. Um, <laughs> I have to have you. I have a couple of things I'd like to talk to you about sometime down the line. I hope you'll come back with us. You back? <laughs> the Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents that we discuss are available at Facebook.com/slash/TheTrekFiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at larrynemacek.com. Track well, everybody. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.